When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the West London Sport QPR podcast. I'm Dan Ben. We've got the usual line of this week, former QPR striker Kevin Gallant and West London Sports Ian McCullough. Um, obviously, the transfer window has finally come to an end. I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty happy about that, to be honest. I could do with a break from the constant Hurrah! transfer talk. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. My, my thoughts, exactly. Yeah, got a bit of downtime now, haven't we, Ian? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad about that. So, But saying that, we are going to come on to the... Uh, the transfer and then in a little bit talk about what did and didn't happen and our kind of thoughts on what QPR have done and whether they're still short in a couple of areas, which I'm sure we'll uh, we might agree on a couple of things. But um, before we do that, I just want to come on to the Swansea game. Ian, you went all the way over to, to Wales for this classic championship fixture. Uh, I watched it back as well, actually. But I mean, to be fair, for like for all the talk of QPR not being at their best and not playing with the same intensity, which I think is correct. Um, Having watched like the way Swansea started the game, I really thought they were there for the taking. I mean, we'll talk about the referee decisions in a minute as well. But, you know, we spoke a lot last week about Swansea building out from the back and playing out from defence. And, I mean, they gave the ball away a lot, didn't they, in that first half? And the chair got in a couple of times. I just think you know, big moments, for some of it through fault of their own. Um, and then also, like I said, the refereeing decisions didn't go for QPR. But, I mean, what were your kind of thoughts in there? I thought, to be honest, like, they can kind of be a little bit frustrated about that one that they didn't get something. Yeah, I think, I mean, they have more of a ball than Swansea. Not many teams do that. Yeah, um, that's an achievement in itself. I mean, look, at the end of the day, like, sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. It wasn't a disaster they lost. It wasn't, you can, there's always reasons why teams lose a game. Little moments in matches, things happen. And the first half, they made mistakes. One led to a penalty, which was a mistake by the referee. But I have yeah, to be exactly. honest. I didn't even mention that. I have, to be, on, pain, I, have, I have to be honest. When I saw that live and the ball went in, I thought that's handball. Mm. And the play went away in the line of flag. I thought it was handball. You see it again. Maybe it wasn't. But you have to give the line a little bit of a benefit and say, just purely because I was sort of in line with the line when he when he gave it. And right. You know, so I don't I don't I don't um, blame them giving that penalty decision. Um I mean the ball over the top. I mean, speaking as a forward kid, you go down, didn't you? If you get a touch in that position, you just go out of, go to ground. Yeah, um, definitely. And, I mean, it was outside the area, so it wouldn't have been a penalty, but, I mean, it would have been a red card. And that was just a, you know, a ball over the top from Jimmy Dunn, I think. And Willett gambled, and the defender hesitated. He got the better of him, and he's got a handful of shirt. And, I mean, it looked at first. At first, I thought, why has he stopped running? Because it looked to me like he just sort of got like, obstructed, and he just turned around and looked at the ref like that. And you see it again, he's always got a handful of shirt. He's just got to go. If he he falls over, then they're they're down to ten men. But yeah, he didn't. But you know, but these, these things happen. You know, you got a little bit of luck at Watford the week before. You get a little bit of luck at Sunderland to take a point there. It, it happens. They didn't lose the game for that reason. They lost the game because 
They let in a really bad goal to lose one nil, and and credit credit to Swansea. They defended well, um, got their tactics right, I think. Um, and you could probably say, yeah, on balance of on the balance of possession, Rangers deserve something out of it. But I think you can't say that Swansea, the way they played and the way they kind of, you know, the, the setup they had, they didn't deserve to win either. So yeah, you lose one nil, it's one of them. You move on. It's not the end of the world. Um, and yeah, that's the, the big boy, the Tim, big Tim. I'm not going to attempt to say his surname. <laughs> it was written down phonetically in front of me by Nick London. I was hoping you'd say it, and then I was going to follow your uh, um, your pronunciation of it. So <laughs> Nick wrote it down for the down. benefit of Andy Sinton and showed it to me in the press room before the game. <laughs> um, but for, uh, for the benefit here, we'll just call him Big Tim. Looks a really good player, really good. Nineteen, come on, fifteen minutes. Mm. Yeah, very very good. Yeah, I mean, we mm. spoke a lot, and we recently about the mobility in midfield and that being a bit of an issue with the injuries because Taylor Richard and obviously Luke Amos being the two kind of most mobile midfielders they'd had obviously before T- Big Tim came in <laughs> as he's as he's now known but um yeah he, he looks like he's really going to add something to that midfield doesn't he with the kind of physical attributes he's got because he, he said that in his interview as well he likes doing the defensive side of the game mm-hmm. and going forward as well I mean he could he could be a really big player this season couldn't he if he sort of works his way into the team you'd think yeah, and by the sounds of it, I think he might actually. I mean, he hasn't said this, but reading between the lines, I think he might play him and Phil together in the, in the two man in front of the defence, and then sort of one in front, and then the two the two tens, and then one up top. Mm. So, I mean, that could happen. I mean, you know, we'll go on to like the sort of defensive issues. I'm guessing later on in the pod, but I mean, that could be one way of perhaps adding some reinforcements into into the into the defence, but. Yeah, I mean it's a very small sample sample size, but it was guy it was eye catching. It really was when you, you know, see a guy that size, long legs, just winning, you know, winning tackles and passing in the same sort of movement. It's yeah, he looks a real talent, a real talent. Mm. Sometimes, like I remember when um, I don't know, I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but do you remember like when Reese James come down to the championship and was playing for Wigan, and you're sort of looking at this guy like, yeah, you know, it's just immediately you're like, well, like. He's really got something, and you know that sort of was the same. Obviously, he's not played very much so far, but I mean, certainly looked like he's going to be a good player this year. But um, Kev, I mean, Bill kind of spoke about it after. Um, he kind of, you know, fair play to him, took some of the blame and said that he wasn't at his best and that he probably should have made maybe some changes for the starting team, but also should have made some changes a bit earlier in the game at half time, maybe because he named the same team obviously again. And I mean, like how because obviously they played quite intense in the two games that they won but I mean how difficult is it when you've you'd have done it before playing like three games in the space of a week and is it does that really become a factor like cause obviously they, you know it's been quite spoken about the kind of tiredness issue in the game but you, do you kind of feel that when you've um when you've played that many games in, in such a short space of time well I can I can understand what you're saying but it's very hard to you know you win at Watford you're on a high then you have a good really good performance against Hull on the Tuesday, and then to go and change the team, it's a, you know the players who have earned those two um, two really fine victories not to play the next game, you're going to be disappointed, and then you run the risk of you change the team, and you lose the game, and everyone just says, well, why did you change the team? So you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Uh, so I, I don't blame him for not changing the team one bit. I, if it was me, I would you'd have to. I think you've got to keep this same team because those those players have earned the right to play the next game. 
But maybe if he says that he might change the, the actual on the day substitutions mm. quicker, then you know that's that's up to him. Maybe he's just taking the pressure off the the players and just sort of you know blaming it on on himself. But um, Kev, can I just ask you how how would that go down in the dressing room when you see a manager turn around saying, "Look, I take some of the blame." He made a point I thought was quite interesting in his post match where he said. I didn't make changes at half time because it's still very early in our relationship and it's difficult just to hook a guy at half time. Do you yeah, think him coming out do you think him coming out and saying I, I should have done it a bit down to me? Does that sort of go down well in the dressing room or does it create well, doubt? Well hooking right. someone off at half time is is not it's not a good thing because I think um years ago I got hooked off by a Ray Harford at half time and and I absolutely went, I was absolutely went ballistic. I went mental. I was so gutted because you feel like it's all your, like that first half performance is all down to you. That's that's how it sort of feels. And maybe um, it's a little bit different now where, you know, a bit more squad rotation. But I can understand what he's saying, like hooking players off at half time is, is not an ideal situation because that player ain't going to be happy with the manager. So, um Maybe he, you know, he's only been season's only been going like maybe was it six weeks? So he maybe feels he might be able to do that in December or January, where he can make a, a change, a tactical change, or maybe freshen up the up the team. Uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying on that one because it ain't a nice feeling, and you sort of, like I said, you feel, you feel like it's um, it's all down to you. But yeah. Well, let's just hear what um, Mick Beal had to say after the game. Yeah, um, I didn't think we started the game well. I thought it was a game, there was a lot of mistakes in that first 20 minutes um, from the officials and players on both teams because Kabanga's quite a lucky boy on Chris. I think Chris has been honest and stayed on his feet. I think the referee's made a bad call. He's made a bad call on the penalty as well. Um, but... We were poor today in the first half. We were slow getting started. Maybe that's a, a little bit of tiredness. Thought we responded a bit second half. But if I look at the first half, we were never in control defensively in the game. I didn't think, I didn't, and I didn't think we was brave with the ball. I thought we tended to play a lot at the back in front of Swans. We never played through, and we looked a little bit unsettled defensively in the whole game. But certainly in that first 20 minutes. Having said that, we had big moments. Ilias and Chris go through two v one. And we don't execute in that moment. Ilias goes through as well and the keeper makes a really big save. And I just thought our quality in the final third wasn't there. Uh, it's probably a, a reflection of where we are as a team at the moment, I think. I think, don't think many teams come here to Swansea and have much possession as what we did in the game overall. Um, but when I look at us, I didn't think we performed well, so no complaints in that side. It's never, you know, of course the game's us v Swansea, but it's not at this moment in time. It's about us getting better or we're trying to be. And today, we didn't execute our game plan, so therefore no complaints. Do you feel like one of those days where nothing seems to come off, you know, passes were just too short? Or... Yeah, no, I asked him, in, I asked him, in, they've had these three games this week, and obviously I kept the same team for all three games. very difficult after two big performances and two wins to change it even though maybe you think you should freshen it up um, and I thought at times we looked tired we made changes in the second half I thought people come on did well I thought young Tim come on and showed some really nice touches um, listen it, it, it is what it is it's a relentless league it's up and down we're a young team we're still fighting for some consistency 
three games ago after we draw at home to Rotherham. You know, I thought we were we went to Watford and I see a different look and a different energy. So that's on me. I didn't think I was great today. I didn't think my subs were great and I didn't think we were great as a team. So we need to have a good week in training this week. And um, having said that, I think Swansea are a decent side as well. They played they played well in moments today. Um, another thing that he said, Kev, in the interview we did with the club after the game was about where he's talking about the high line and sort of questioning why the line was so high, you know, and why they weren't tracking runners. This is something we spoke about last week as well. Are you a bit concerned by what you've seen about this high line? And, you know, the fullbacks have obviously, they get forward a lot, which is part of it, but they've kind of got the pace to get back in. But in central defence, I mean, we just spoke before we come on, maybe that's a bit of an area that's proven a bit of an issue so far. Well, we spoke about it before. Um, Dickie and Dunn have played pretty much the last 18 months in the back three. So playing a high line, which they are doing, and you're right, um, Laird and especially Laird gets forward very well and he's very high up the pitch and Pal is as well. So you're basically two v you're two centre halves on your own. You're the you're the you're the last line of defence to, to the goalkeeper. And there's one thing about the two centre halves, and I'm not this is not criticism, but they're not the most mobile. So if you're playing a high line, and I'm a centre forward for the opposition, and you know that because they played a very high line against um Hull, and we we spoke about it last week. And the timing of the whole City's centre-forwards was like, the centre-forward was just constantly, for me, making poor runs. And if he would just made, curved his run a bit, he could have been in quite a lot of times. And we said last week, well, I said last week, there's, if they keep on them with this high line and the linesman is not giving it, there's going to be a lot of vocals from the Ellerslie roadstand and the, and the South Africa roadstand who think, because they were shouting against Hull, offside, offside, and he didn't give it. And it's like, oh. And then when he did give an offside, it's the usual, hey, with the crowd. So um, I'm not too sure if he, he said that um, he doesn't realise why they're playing. It's because he said at the start they were playing too deep. Now they're playing too high. And now they have to get in like, a little bit of the in-between situation. But I do think at the moment they are playing at QPR at the Loftus Road. The ground's a little bit tighter. So you might be able to get away with it and then you can condense the pitch, the midfield. So then the centre-half to the centre-forwards is very close in the midfield. If you haven't got the legs, which, you know, we, we spoke about this, Dazelle, Johansson haven't really got that sort of mobility. Now, just said Big Tim, I am seen him play. Uh, Amos is to come back. Is it Richards? Mm. So well, got a good mobility. Maybe now the centre-halves can drop 10 yards. And those two, three lads who might come in and play have the mobility to get when the midfield area gets a little bit bigger, has the mobility to get around the pitch better than the other two, uh, Dazel and Johansson. So it's, I mean, it's a difficult one. But he also said, and Ian will, he just mentioned it as well, that they're sort of learning on the, on, on the job as in, in the games. They haven't got time on the training pitch because the games are coming thick and fast to practice uh, this line at the moment. Yeah, what are your thoughts on it, Ian? Does this play into the argument for a change of system, go to three at the back, as he's kind of mentioned before? I mean, Kev said there, obviously, the players to come back from injury, with Tim coming in as well. Is that, could that improve things? Where, where are you kind of on the on the high line issue at the moment? How big a problem is it, do you think? No, I don't mean it's, I don't mean it's that big a problem. I think um, it gives you more, I think it gives you more an attacking sense by playing it, mm. because in too deep. I mean, you saw the games against Middlesbrough, Sunderland, they were too deep, sitting back. You know, you don't want to be hogging the edge of the penalty area. You want to be squeezing up. 
you know, as Kev says, condensing the field. But when you've got players like Willock in chair, ball players who just want to run with the ball, take players out, and then you've got like, you know, the high playing with that high press, that sort of theory behind it. And I mean, how do you beat a high line? You have balls over the top. But if you can sort of win the midfield battle, um, they didn't do that on Saturday, frankly. I mean, Grimes is a good player, Matt Grimes, really good player in a good game. Joe Allen's been around the block, he knows what he's doing. And yeah, I thought um, that midfielders. Oh, you think on the day, that, that's what won the game. Swansea won the midfield battle, and you know, fair play to him. That's what ultimately won the game. But I mean, there's no shortage of midfielders at QBR. I think it's just a case of getting that right. And I mean, to be fair to Dickie and Dunn, it is it's really hard. You know, you spent the best part of 18 months playing with a back three. More so Dickie than Dunn, and then you've got two wing backs, two full backs that spend more time in the other team's penalty box than almost in their own penalty box. It's hard to adjust to, and like it's just practice. And uh, again, as I reiterate so much on here, I play football at a very low level, but defending is all about communication who you talk to, talk, 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 be here, be there, squeeze, squeeze, get up, and getting that right and just communicating. And it's practice, isn't it? It's getting discipline and. I mean, I'm not saying being the Arsenal team under Tony Adam and George, George Graham, but that was almost, I mean, Kevin would have played against that. It was like military, military position. When you go, when you squeeze, to get everyone up, you're in, you're in line, caps teams out. It's offside is very easy to play. It is, but it's all about just talking and getting it right and everyone being on the same page. But um, you said but, um, Swansea played quite a lot of long balls. Is that right? Yeah, like, more than I've seen them. More than I've seen them, yeah. But they obviously knew after they had a scouting report after the whole game that QPR playing a high line. So they obviously thought, well, <laughs> the best option for us to win this game is to go against everything what we do, which is pass it around the back, is get the ball in behind a little bit quicker. So now Huddersfield will be on Saturday, they'll have a scouting report as well. And they'll be thinking that as well. They'll be saying to that the, when they're practicing, doing their tactics on f- Thursday, Friday, they'll be thinking, well, the best way of QPR play a high line is you've got time to run and get that. They'll be, that's what will be coming. So it, it'd be interesting to see what tactical will we play a little mm. bit deeper. It'd be interesting to see we'll find out Saturday. But I mean, it, it's doing it. It's knowing about it and, you know, executing it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, always, always. You know what I mean? It's, and, um, but I, I do think, I do wonder as well, like, I think, because it, it, I mean, it wasn't, I'm not saying that Swansea turned into Wimbledon 1988 on, on Saturday. They didn't, but they changed the goalkeeper. And it was quite a big thing, talking to some of the local guys, that they went with this Stephen Bender in goal. And it was a lot more, you know, balls to the channels. And I do wonder if he didn't change his team because he was expecting Swansea to play how they usually play. And that perhaps caught them on the hop a little bit. And you have to give credit to the opposition and say, well done, they mixed it up and they got, got the result. It's, you know... Fair play to Russell Martin, you know, because he wasn't, he has got this reputation of being a bit too puritanical in how he wants to play and this and that. And, you know, he mixed it up. And, you know, it's that old phrase is more than one way to skin a cat. And I think that, that that perhaps caught Rangers on the hop a little bit. Yeah, I think so. And you could tell how really like they wanted that win and how much it was needed. I mean, they were kind of sat back a little bit, didn't they, in the second mm. half and were quite keen to kind of run the clock down. There's a, a moment what made me laugh where Russell Martin and I think Nick on the commentary sort of said oh bad touch from Russell Martin and it was probably a deliberate thing and he's let the ball run off and you know you could tell they were how keen they were for that win but yeah I just like I said I starting it's a frustrating one really I think a couple big moments in the first half go QPR's way and I think they go on and win that game but ultimately that's what it is and it's sounds a bit so, like Mark Warburton now but fine lines in it small just, margins 
Just a quick one, Ian. Uh, I've never heard that word before. What is puritanical? It, it means it means doing it very um no, like I know. doing things one way, very, very pure, very pure, very pure way of doing things. Right. And Dan, I got a you. Did you get the stats for last week about the team that scored? Do you know first? what? I was going to mention that. I, I had a message from uh, Jack Supple, the stats man, QPR, who's actually said that he was going to, try, going to try and get that stat, but I've not heard from him yet. But I, I'm hoping that he's going to do the work for me and he'll have that uh, he'll have that stat for us pretty soon. So Poor from I know Jack. you've been waiting for him, mate. So that yeah. Jack. It ain't my fault. I, I could have got a to, from Jack there. I could have yeah, got a to myself. from Jack. Not puritanical, <laughs> not puritanical, no. You're writing that one down? Oh, yeah, I've got to Google that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, all right, we'll move on. Like I said at the uh, at the start, the transfer window, thankfully, is finally over. QPR did manage to do a fair bit of business in the window. Obviously, a lot of turnover this summer, um, as is usually the way now with championship clubs. Quite a few players, there, quite a few came in. Um, Ian, I'll come to you. Um, First, what when you look at it overall, um, a good summer, do you think? I mean, I, I'm looking at the names sort of that we've got written down now, and I think the quality of player they've managed to get in. Obviously, we'll talk about the kind of shortcomings in a minute, but when you just look at the players that have come in and the quality of them, I think they managed to get some some good players in this summer and really adequately replace the, the ones that left. Do, do you agree with that? I agree, I do. I think it's been a good window. I think they've met the fact they've managed to keep all their best players as well. Mm. Helps. You're going to have people are going to say it was a bad window because they didn't sign a striker, you know. But I, you look at it and say, well, they have signed a striker in Tyler Roberts, and Lyndon Dyke's job is to score goals, but he also plays a role, a defined role in the team, and he's he's defining that he's playing that role, what he needs to do. Um, if he hasn't missed two sitters, he'd have three goals, and you'd have like. Chris Willock on four in his chair on three. It's the thing, he ain't going to score like loads and loads of goals. But if he if he just scored the sitters and does yeah. and doing what he's doing, it would be we wouldn't be having. I don't think we'd be having this yeah, debate. Exactly, it's a frustrating it, it, thing. you know. And it's but he did again. He did he did all right on Saturday. He did his job. He did what he had to do. You know, it's that. I mean, we've talked before. Mark Warburton used to always say the job of softening up the centre backs. You know, and you know, Kev's played you know what five hundred odd games up front. I mean, that role of kind of beating up, not beating them up, but do you know what I mean? Just kind of... Stepping on the toes. Score. Sometimes you're playing that role up front on your own. It's really hard. I can't... I think it's probably it's the hardest role in football. Because that role up front on your own is basically, if you do play a long ball, you have to fight the centre-halves. You have to hold it up. You have to flick it on. You have to lay it off and, and link the play. And then you've got to get in the box and score a goal as well. So you've got to do all these things. But... That is the role. That is the the, the yeah. that is the role of the centre forward at the moment when you play one up front, and it is a tough role. And uh, you know the softening up of the centre backs. Yeah, I, I get that, and being a bit of a battering ram. But I agree totally, Dan and Ian, when you say if he if he scores those two sitters, he's got three goals. No one's talking about how he's out of form or whatever. Well, I reckon everyone's talking about we got Dykes, we got Roberts, we got Armstrong coming through. Like I think the conversation would be very different. It certainly would be look, we've got some depth up front because Dykes has been so bad in front of goal. It's like we need someone but, 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 instead but of him. A, do you know what I mean? But he wants to play with one up top, and you know because he come from Aston Villa, everyone's just assuming that Aston Villa are going to say, "Here's Cameron Archer, have him." The reality is Cameron Archer still at Aston Villa. They want to keep him. So it doesn't work like that because Aston Villa need Cameron Archer because they're struggling in the Premier League. 
And if their centre forward gets injured, then Cameron Archer's now got a chance of playing. It just lend out players just because he's a mate. Yeah, yeah, and it's. I mean, you might get Cameron Archer in February or January if he's not playing. But you know, I mean, if QPR weren't creating chances and were struggling to score goals, and was so Preston, for example, have got one. Was it one goal in two goals in seven games? Seven eight games. Five five straight nil nils. Four five. Yeah, they, got, they, got over, they got turned over at home by Birmingham on Saturday. I, think they I mean, their defensive goal. record is unbelievable, but you know, it's, they don't score any goals. Yeah, don't concede, don't score. And you say, well, they definitely need a striker. And, you know, they signed Troy Parrott, who apparently, if you list, believe what people say on Twitter, is a player QPR should have signed. Well, you know, come on now. Uh, they were close to, I don't know who, it, I'm going to be frank, I don't really know who it was, um, who they were trying to get in. They were probably going for the Rothmans book going, can we get him, can we get him, can we get him, can we get him? That's usually what happens when it gets that late in the day. What's Kev Gallen up to these days? Um, you know, but they were they were <laughs> rubbish they, on this pod. I mean, they are keeping it. They are keeping it very. They're keeping it very shrim. They won't say who it is. Because I have asked, um, but they were very close to getting someone in because Macaulay Bomb was sat, you know, at New Elf and Charlton's training ground after medical, thinking he was signing for Charlton, and the plug was pulled last minute because they couldn't get anyone in. So. But overall, the window was good. I think, you know, Ethan Laird's a really good player. Powell's looking like a good signing. Um, I'd be more worried about the lack of options at left back if Powell gets injured than not having another striker. Yeah. That would be my... Yeah. Uh, but I think that's something you can probably address with free agents and that. I think they will pick someone up. Um, and also, there's not that many games until January. I know that sounds weird because of the World yeah. Cup. Yeah. yeah. There's only like 10 games or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So... Hopefully, he'll stay fit for 10 games and then they get someone in, in January. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, that's a really good point, actually. I hadn't thought about that. That gap. Yeah, between... genuinely. I saw it the yeah. other day. I was like, bummies, you know, because uh, they were talking about Wolves, obviously, like, and the whole Diego Costa thing. And they were sort of saying, I don't know if I was going, but they were saying, is like, is it worth it? Because, um, you know, the January transfer window literally is in like 10 games or whatever it is. So yeah, that's probably bad luck for Wolves, isn't it? That, signing, that striker they've signed, he's done his ACL. Yeah, I know. It could be worse. Time. Talk about needing a striker. Yeah. Yeah, balls um, probably more than QPR at this point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Kev, like Ian kind of touched on there and come on to the shortcomings of the window. Obviously, you've been kind of quite keen for them to get another striker, and obviously, didn't manage to do that. Do you think it was like realistic to expect to get someone in that late in the window that that was going to bring the quality needed? And is he going to prove costly? Do you think, or you'll be concerned that they didn't manage to do that? I think it was. It's, it's tough when you you're looking um, in August, but. I think they should have been actively looking for one in January, really, because Dykes was going to stay. So in January, we were thinking we've got a chance of getting in the Premiership. There wasn't a good chance in the playoffs. Then you get in the playoffs and anything can happen. So Gray and Austin really weren't going to stay if we got in the Premiership. Mm. They also probably couldn't afford them to stay if we stayed in the Championship. So they sort of knew that we needed the centre-forward in January for next season. So I thought they should be actively looking for one in January. And maybe he was maybe left too long with the change of manager and the style of play or a manager. They wait for Mick Beal to come, whoever the manager was coming and who, what type of striker they fancied. So, but it's tough. Everyone's looking for strikers. It is tough. Mm. And I think, and Ian's right, and what I heard is they had one lined up and it didn't happen. And um, and then that's what happens. And then there's like a snowball effect and Macaulay Bond doesn't go, 
doesn't leave. He's there still, whether he's going to play. But Linda Dykes is, is the man up front at the moment with Tyler Roberts. I don't know if he's um, will he start soon or later, or is it a fitness issue? He isn't up to 100%. He's still catching up, I think, and he's still getting fit. For 90 minutes. And then you've got Sinclair Armstrong, who makes a good impact off the bench for the last 10, 15 minutes and can cause havoc with his power and pace. Yeah, I mean, there's options there, isn't it? But like I said, it's just, is it, did they do the right thing? And, you know, obviously they had someone lined up, but not just signing one for the sake of it. Do you feel like there's enough depth there that they didn't just need to bring in a body that they had, it was about getting someone in who's better than what they've got? And if they didn't manage to do that, if they couldn't do that, then waiting was the best thing, do you think, Kev? I don't think you should just bring in a centre forward just for the sake of it because. Yeah, I don't think they would do that. But you know what I mean? It wasn't to the point where, like, Wolves had. Like getting Diego Costa and he's not played for months because they haven't got anyone. It's you know they've got so people that play there. One, you've got a striker in because you need to put pressure or to start or to put pressure on the on the on the on the first choice. Then just bring a striker in. Oh, just for numbers. Well, you can, but one, it's a waste of money. And if you ain't pay play, what's and if it ain't any better than what you got, there's no real point other than maybe a bit of strength and depth. Uh, it's a difficult one, but. I'm sure they'll be actively looking now and trying to sort something out for January. And like you said, it's only ten games. Yeah, World Cup break, so they'll be they'll be actively looking. They should be actively looking now for a set, for a striker in January. Mm. And and the thing is, things things change. Well, sorry, it depends where you know if we're going to be in and around the playoffs or not far off it. And are the owners willing to the people with the money willing to? put their hand in the pocket and get a striker and go for a push for the playoffs. We'll have to wait and see, won't we? And, and things do change as well, as you say. It's such a short turnaround, really, to the next window. You know, and I'm just picking his name out as an example. Cameron Archer may not have played many games for Villa by January, and he may be available to go out. And if you're picking up guys on loan in um, January, there's not really a loan fee either. Well, the loan fee is a lot less than it would be if you were signing them in, um, you know, September. So, um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a good window. By and large, overall, uh, keeping Willett, keeping Chair, keeping Dieng. Yeah, it's, I think it's a good window. Yeah, no, I agree. I think on the whole it is. I, like, I'm with Kev. I think a striker would have been good if it was a possibility. Someone who... You know, we say that Dykes off the ball, he's, he's done well, but just need a bit more clinical finishing. I go back to it the other day, I mean, Naki Wells is scoring now. I'm not saying they should have gone and get him, but I just think like when Wells was playing, that sort of type of player, it made a big difference because he's yeah, just... He missed a lot of goals though as well, though. He'd love a missed chance too, Wells. He, he would go... Oh, they need championship, in it. They're not, you know, we're not expecting elite of the elite. We're not Erling, expecting Erling Haaland. But do you know what I mean? Just someone that... I just, mm. I don't know what it is with Dykes. It's so... I just, I want him to do... Well, I wanted to, I wanted to score like some goals, just the simple ones. I think, like I said, if come back to it, but like if he just scores the simple ones, I think this whole debate we probably not. Have look, any, he is going to score. Game. He is going to score. He is going to score. This team creates so many chances. One, he is going to score. He might not score this Saturday, but it's going to happen. Yeah, are you calm about it, then, Ian? Are you not? You're not stressing the lack of signing the striker. I'd too be much, stressing if they weren't scoring any goals. Yeah. Oh, seriously, if it was like it was... But even with Dykes missing, you, do you feel like there's enough goals in the team? I mean, there certainly has been... So yeah, far, I, do, the I do. Because I think you've got the, the, the wing-backs offer you really attacking options. You've got Chair and Willock who are at this level or as 
aren't many better. Um, you've got two centre-backs that have shown previously they can score goals. I think there's, there's goals in this team. There is goals in this team. I think it's not like it was McLaren here and you have to go and sign Wells and Tom Ahmed in the chance of window just to kind of give you something who might score a goal. They're certainly not in that territory, are they? There's, I think they're in, I think they're in a position you can be a little bit more calm about it and say, okay, we can't get one in. We'll look again in January if we need to. Um, but the players we've got, the attacking options we've got in, you know, behind uh, Dykes. I mean, you know, Richards to come back. Amos scores goals. You know, Tyler Roberts. You know, he's Tyler Roberts tore his thigh last year and was out for four months. And I think that's why there's a, there's a, there's a kind of they're treating it very slowly. Yeah, so, I mean, he's up to speed. I mean, he's a you know he, a decent player at this level as well. There's there's plenty of options there. You know, I really think there's far more reasons to be cheerful than not. Yeah, I think for like a team in QPR's position, not been in the Premier League for a little while, but been in the Championship for quite a long time. You're not, you're never going to have that sort of perfectly balanced squad, are you? There's always going to be areas where you think, oh, if we just had a little bit more of that, a little bit more of this, because it's not like, you know, Burnley coming down from the Premier League and mm. selling their best players and then buying, what, 15 or 16 or whatever they got, you know, they, they, they can't do that. And I do think that like I said the quality of play they've got in has been has been good this summer. I, do, do I think a lack of a reliable goal score will cost them some points? Yeah, I, I think it probably will at some point. I think there will be a game probably where Dykes gets a, a sitter and, and probably misses a chance. And unfortunately, I think that's just the way it is at the moment. But that's it for his sake. I do think there's a player in there still and I hope that he kind of gets back to at least a run of, you know, no one's expecting him to score loads and loads of goals. I just think if he did what he did and scored this chances ones you'd expect him to score. I think, you know, I said, mentioned it a few times, but this would be a very, very different argument. But um, I mean, Ian, you mentioned there as well about not getting a left back in. Is that obviously, like I said, with January just around the corner, is that hoping Kenneth Powell stays fit if he gets injured, you what, move Laird over, put Kakai in or something like that? Or, what you know, what, Clark if he's thick, maybe do a job at left back, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a case of crossing fingers a little bit and hoping he just gets yeah. through between now and uh, when's the season finish? For the World Cup, was it November? November yeah, November the, time, isn't it? Last game. Yeah, so, yeah, so you haven't got long just to kind of patch him up and hope. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, that'd be the worry for me. That would be the only kind of... we. I'd say that there isn't really anyone behind Powell. I mean, mm-hmm. Hammond and is he's injured at the moment anyway, so he wouldn't be able to play even if, if, if he was available. Um yeah, I think if he were to get a long-term injury, but you say that about a lot of players, couldn't you? If he got injured, then I, yeah, it's just cool. You know, yeah. if he got injured for a few weeks, I think it would prove pretty costly, but it's just taking that. There's always going to be gambles you've got to take, and then you can't fill every position. So it's just hoping, I think, if, you know, one or two games he misses, say, and you've got to put Laird over and you've got to put Kakai in or you've got to put Clark Solter in when he's fit, I don't think it's the end of the world. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be too worried about that, but... I think the striker is the main one for me. But what about what about you, Kevin? Are you concerned about the the left back areas or any other areas you think maybe they should have done a little bit more there, or are you quite happy overall with it? I think the left back, yeah, I agree with that. If, if Powell gets injured, I think we're a bit light there. Still feel right back if Led, because I think he's, I think he, from what I've seen in the games I've seen, Led, I, I think he's he's been excellent. I think he brings a, a, a different dimension to the team with his with the way he gets forward. So if he gets injured, I think we're light on that situation, that position as well. But other than that, I think the midfield strong, centre-halves are covered. 
just maybe, you know... Spine's looking all right, apart from up top, isn't it? Like centre and centre-back, centre-mid. It's good, You've only got a certain amount of money in the budget and whatever. You can't yeah. just have bundles and bundles of players sitting sitting in the stands and sitting on the bench. So, obviously, the, the manager's thinking, well, can't get a striker in. I'm going to have to load up on midfielders and attacking midfielders to, to get the goals. And that's that's fair enough. Because he can't get that striker that he wants. Mm. Macaulay Bond, I mean, where does he go from here, Kev? I mean, you obviously I know you got some some links to, to Charlton, but uh, he uh, obviously, you know, could have gone out there and he's obviously going to stay now. But what? where does he go from here? Does he deserve a bit of a chance to come back in and prove well, what he can do? He's you know, not really think, had that chance, has he, since he's sort of joined? I don't think, yeah, well, I mean, it's a strange one. Um he hasn't been in. He wasn't in the squads, was he? Was he in the squad against Swansea? No. And he wasn't. Was he on the bench against Hull? Yes, I think he was. No, he, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. No, he wasn't. Oh, he, he made the bench once, but he's been what three or four squads. He's not been in there. Yeah, so he came on against three, Hull, I think. I remember. And he, he's just sort of yeah. I think that he's on a certain amount of money. It could have went. It didn't happen. Now he's going to sit. Maybe in the stand, and he's he's picking up a fair wage. So you don't think he'll come back in, though? It's not a win-win. It doesn't. Well, from what I'm hearing, it doesn't look like it. But you never know because it all depends. That he's probably disappointed and angry, maybe that he didn't get uh, he didn't get that move to go and play some football. And I'd say things have been said and whatever. But once the dust settles, and then maybe in a couple of weeks, sort of calm down a bit. Dykes gets injured. Who does he start? Roberts and then Sinclair hasn't really scored. Come on, come on, McCauley. Come on. Can you do a job for us? Because at the end of the day, he's still got a career. He's got a year left at QPR. And if he doesn't play a game, not you know, where you're only going to go down to League One and then you have to rebuild yourself. So he's still got an opportunity. He's got proved obviously he's got to prove himself in training, look hungry, look sharp, look ready and up for it. And and speak to the manager and say, look, my move, the move didn't work out, but I'm ready to give my all for QPR. I don't know the lad personally, but that's what I would be doing, me personally, if, if a move if, if a move that I wanted had fallen down. You've got another. You're not going anywhere now till January. So get your head down and try and get in the team and prove yourself and score some goals in the championship. Because I would be thinking, if I can get back in the team and score some goals in the championship and QPR don't want me next season... And there mm. might be another championship club say, well, he did score some goals when he played. Mm. Let's give him a chance. So you've, yeah, got to look, you've got to look at your personal pride and, you know, you're, a lot of footballers and they always said you've got to, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not a great thing to come out and say, but it's like Macaulay Bond Limited. It's his company. It's him. Go, it's, it's your career. So you've got, you, you can sulk or you can get back in and start playing and, and you know, think about next season where you play. Yeah, it's a shame it's not really worked out for him because like when, I remember when QPR signed him, I thought it was a pretty decent signing. He scored quite a few goals for, was it for Charlton? He played in the Championship and he scored quite a few goals. I think it was, wasn't he? Um, and, he, you know, when he went to Ipswich at first, he was on fire and he couldn't stop scoring. And I thought, you know, I feel like there's still a player in there. And like, even when he joined QPR, he sc- scored a couple of good goals, didn't he? Like headers, I think. And, you know, he's got the kind of goal-scoring touch, but... For whatever reason, it's just not really worked out for him. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what he does with that. But I'm quite looking forward to seeing QPR like 
we've spoke about with hopefully Tyler Roberts when he's probably fit gets to go up front. I thought when he come on, um, he played a bit up front, didn't he? And I think he moved back a little bit when Sinclair Armstrong came off from what I noticed against Swansea. But I thought he looked pretty decent. He had a decent shot on goal that, um, you know, decent attempt. And I think he, he he doesn't give you what Dykes does, but he gives you something a little bit different. I think he's got a bit more pace about him. And, you know, he's, he brings physicality as well. He's quite, you know, he's, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing what they're like with, with him up front, really, and maybe that Taylor Richards and Luke Amos coming in, just that bit more athleticism in the team. I think I'm sort of looking forward to seeing what, what, they, what they're like with that, really. I, I don't think we've really seen that yet, and I think that could be um, a bit of a game-changer. But um, All right, we'll move on to our um, to our preview then. Obviously, Huddersfield on Saturday haven't started um, too well under Danny Schofield. Um, obviously, lost... Carlos Corberan, their manager, who got them to the playoff final last season. In the summer, he left, lost their two best players, the Nottingham Forest, who beat them in the playoff final. So it's been a pretty nightmare summer, really, by all accounts. So that being obviously Lewis O'Brien and um, and Harry Toffolo. And, you know, it's pretty mad to think when you look at Huddersfield. I mean, only one game away from the Premier League. I mean, it wasn't a great game, but you look at, you know, a couple of decisions that went against them in that game and it could have been also different for them. So... But you know, and also you know, when it's not going your way, it's really not going your way because uh, they played Blackpool on Sunday. Obviously, I watched the game for obvious reasons, and there was a goal line technology failure. They scored a goal, certainly looked like a goal from a corner, and the goal line technology didn't work. It was obscured and uh, didn't count, and Blackpool won. So, which I'm not too, which I'm not minding about, obviously. But um, you know, from their perspective, that's a that's a tough one to take when you're down there, isn't it? But um, I mean, Kev, what have you kind of made of them this year? You one of your former clubs. I mean, what? Um, what have you kind of made and what's gone on there now? And how, how do you see this one going? Well, I, I thought they overachieved and done really well to get into the playoffs. Yeah, no one had them down, did they, for, for that? And to lose your two best players and then your manager before the start of the season. And you've got that, that sort of hangover of losing by... It was an own goal, really, wasn't it? In the final and against the Forest in the playoff final. And to be fair, I thought they had a penalty that wasn't given. I thought it was a very, very harsh... And they had VAR as well. It was all very strange the way that went about. But I don't want to get into it too much, but, you know, yeah. it's all very... So, they, they, they're obviously on a bit of a low. So, that's that's why, and you know, you lose your two best players, you lose your manager, you know, it's going to take time. And then, like you said, I, did, I saw that on the on the telly and they looked like a blatant goal and they didn't get it. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was all sort of like behind the players and I was like watching it. I w- they showed the replay in real time and I said I was watching the game. I was sort of looking at it, I was like... I swear that yeah. ball's over the line. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, crazy. It's tough. I think they're on a bit of a low at the moment and, and obviously they're going to be working hard to try and um, get three points against QPR. But I, I feel with QPR, you know, we talked about the three games in the week and, you know, the manager said maybe I should have like changed it up again. Well, they've had a, a nice a week off, good training, good training, can probably do some tactical work as well. So uh, I'm going to go 2-0 QPR. Oh, no, no. This might be... oh, sorry, sorry. 2-1 QPR. Unfortunately, I've got to take your first answer. No, <laughs> <joking>. <laughs> I'm worried this is going to be a hat-trick again, though. I'm looking at Ian's face. I think he's feeling pretty positive for this one. Are you? Um, yeah, they, they they should win this game. Um, that said, I mean, with great respect to Blackpool and Rotherham, you sort of look on paper, you think, they should have won both of those games and didn't. Um, I do think, um, well, both Blackpool and Rotherham have shown that it's not really a fluke that they, the results they got at Rangers, they both had kind of 
decent starts to the season. Uh, I feel a bit sorry about Huddersfield. You know, the manager obviously saw the writing on the wall, walked right close to the start of the season. Um, good from a QPR point of view is that O'Brien, very good player, always plays well against Rangers. Um, he's against everyone, I think. Danny was uh, great last year. Good, good signing from Forest. That one, I know they've made about a thousand of them. <laughs> one, of, one of them. <laughs> and uh, and Toffolo is a player that always scores against QPR. Um, the wing back. So they're both not around. I mean, they're strike. They they've signed this lad from Ipswich, I think Tyree Simpson, who's you know man mountain of a human being. But I mean, they haven't really got much up front. Jordan Rhodes is you know. They saw Thomas proven goal scorer, but he's been around since God was a boy. Um, yeah. you know, Danny I like Sorba Thomas. He's got a great delivery from the right. He's, he's excellent, really good yeah. player. So that that's the main threat, I think. From yeah, the, the and they've got the, the lad. The lad that's in him from Chelsea, Tino um, Andurin. Andurin's a, a decent good player. player. Yeah. They've got some good players. It won't be an easy game, but I mean, uh, as I say, if, if Rangers play anything like they did against Hull, you know, lots of road, then I, I fancy them to win quite quite handily. I think not having a game midweek will work in Rangers' favour. Kids are aching legs to rest and they can work on the training. But I think I think Rangers will win this. I think it'll be a first clean sheet as well. I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go I'm gonna go for a 3 0. Well, I'm gonna have to round it off with a I, I, I do think QPR win. I don't I, did we all predict the win last week? I can't remember. I think we did, didn't we? Against Swansea. I'm pretty I sure. I said we did. win, but I was unsure about it. Yeah, you were you were a little bit uncertain. I think I said one nil QPR and and I got one nil right, but it's just a shame it's the other way around. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I fancy QPR in the win. I think, you know, having watched Huddersfield in that game, they were obviously will feel very aggrieved that they didn't get something because of the, the technology failings. But I think they weren't very good, if I'm being completely honest. I didn't. I thought they were pretty poor in the game, and you know, didn't didn't create a lot. Didn't really look like scoring apart from when they did, and it, <laughs> it wasn't allowed. But uh, yeah, I, I fancy QPR. I'm going to go. What did you say, Kev? Two one. I'm going to. I just. Yeah. Just two feel... nil was your first prediction, wasn't it? So I might go. I might take your first one and go two nil. Yeah. Rob that off you if I get it right. For some reason, we just can't keep a clean sheet. And I hear. I know Ian just said that it'd be our first clean sheet, but. Yeah, I'm backing it as well. I'm backing the first okay. clean sheet. I'm going two nil. So uh, yeah, let's see what happens. Hopefully, we're actually all right for once. Because normally, as I say every week when we do this, it turns out not to be right. How many times last year did we do it? All predicted a win. And, uh... <laughs> Didn't come off, but there we go. Uh, but yeah, anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for listening or thanks for watching if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, make sure if you are watching, you do subscribe, leave a like and comment below on what we've spoken about today. And if you are listening to this podcast, um, do leave us a positive review and um, subscribe to our feed, follow our feed as well um, so you get notified when a new episode is out. And we'll be back with another one very soon. Thanks for watching and listening. <laughs>